0: Well, Luke, you had me at uh, donuts, all right? So uh, now I've already had my donut, but I'm here for two services. So I get one more, right? So be sure to meet us outside after our service for just a wonderful time of gathering together and connecting with our E-Free Teams Fair. Well, yesterday was a special day here at our church. Ladies, wasn't yesterday awesome? It was a special day. Seen, heard, loved. That was a the theme for yesterday's women's ministry event. And, and I got to be here. I peeked in every so often. I could hear things going on from outside on the loudspeaker. And it was really a spirit filled special event. And so, thank you, ladies. I see so many of you who were there yesterday. Thank you for being here. Thank you to those who worked tirelessly to make yesterday so special. It really was a neat event. And and also, men, thank you for the wonderful breakfast. (laughs) Wow, our, our men's ministry cooked this incredible breakfast. And so, It was really neat. Ladies, again, the team who put yesterday on, uh, I just want to share that every little detail that went into yesterday, it provided an environment where the Spirit of God could move in a very mighty way. So thank you to our team. For a special weekend. Well, this morning I'm looking forward to studying God's Word with you. We're continuing our series, Ready, Set, Grow, Practices to Help Us Flourish with God. And today we come to the rhythm of prayer. All right. Now, I think it's safe to say that the concept of prayer is something that is not foreign to most people. And you don't have to be a Christian to know about prayer. You don't even have to be religious to have some understanding of prayer. We watch sports and we see running backs run into the end zone, spike the ball, get down on the knee and and pray. And they point their finger to the heavens. But the question is, uh, are they praying to the God of the Bible or to some other God? We turn on the news, and we often hear news anchors reporting a tragic story, and you might hear a phrase like this, our thoughts and our prayers go out to that family. And the question is, what are those thoughts and prayers? Are they directed to the God of the Bible, or maybe to some other God? And so the concept of prayer is not a foreign one. We've grown up with some understanding of prayer. And even beyond that, as Christians, my guess is this. In our lives, in our relationship with God, there are aspects of our spiritual lives that we struggle with. And for many followers of Jesus, prayer is one of those areas. And I think very few people will say, oh yeah, my prayer life is perfect. I have nothing else to learn about prayer. I think most of us, no matter where we are on that level of prayer spectrum, we want to grow. We want to grow deeper. And so today, we're going to address this issue. And if your prayer life is suffering right now, my hope is, and and I believe after today that you'll be able to see improvement in your prayer life if you put into practice some of these things that we'll talk about today. And if you are uh, really rich in your prayer life, I believe you can take it to an even greater level, a deeper level. And so this morning, this is going to be as practical a message as you're going to hear, okay? And so if you want to take notes, this is the day to take notes, all right? Or if you want to just snap pictures of the screen, this is the day to snap pictures of the screen, because I believe that this will be as practical a message as you'll hear, because prayer is something that we want to put into practice. So this morning, we begin with the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer. Why do we pray? Think about this. If God already knows what we're going to pray, and he does, by the way, if God already knows what we're thinking, then why do we need to pray? That's a legitimate question. Why do we need to pray? It's an important question. Well, I want to share with you the purpose of prayer, but before I share with you the purpose of prayer, I want to share with you uh, what the purpose of prayer is not. I think this will help us to get an understanding of what the purpose of prayer is. And so I want to share with you what the purpose of prayer is not. First of all, the purpose of prayer is not to get from God what we selfishly want. Now, you know that. That's a given. But let's face it, the reality is oftentimes when we pray, that's what ends up happening. Right, God, give me, give me, give me. And then give me more and give me more and more. When I was playing high school baseball, there were only a few of us who were Christians on our varsity baseball team. And, uh, and so my teammates knew that I was a Christian. Okay? So my senior year in high school, you know, I was actively part of our uh, team, I served as the captain of our baseball team in high school. And the only other Christian on our team was my younger brother John. And so the two Park brothers were the Christians. We were like the resident Christians on our baseball team. And so as the captain of the team, every game before the start of the game, I would rally our team together in a huddle and I'd give my pep talk. And then we'd break from that huddle and sure enough, on a regular basis, One of my teammates would come up to me, again, because they would know that I was a Christian. They'd come up to me, they'd say, hey, Tim, will you say a prayer for me today? Pray that I have a good game, all right? Pray that I get four hits today. (laughs) Pray that I get a home run today. Now, they would say this almost on a a daily basis. Every time I had a game, they'd come up, they'd tap me with their bat. Hey, Tim, say a prayer for me. And every time I heard a teammate say to me, Tim, pray that I get a home run, I'd be thinking to myself, come on, I don't have the power to pray that this guy's going to get a home run. And even if I did, why would I waste that prayer on him? (laughs) Right? I'd be praying that prayer for myself. We like to say prayers that really benefit ourselves. And whether we know it or not, oftentimes our prayers become self-centered and not God-centered. I mean, how many times have you seen fans on TV, right? Just like this, praying before the final field goal or that final free throw, praying that their team wins. Guess what? I'm pretty confident that God is not so concerned about the final score of the baseball game, a football game. basketball game. Now, it's true that oftentimes in victory, God can be glorified. But did you know equally as well, in defeat, God can be glorified. So I don't think God is as concerned about the outcome of a sporting event that you and I think, than, than we think so. Okay. Oftentimes, it's a very selfish thing when we ask God for something when it comes to our own personal lives. We love to ask God for things. We have that part mastered. And yes, petitioning, supplicating, asking, that is a part of prayer. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But God is not an ATM. He is not an ATM. And so the purpose of prayer is not to ask God for something that we can benefit from selfishly. There's a second reason that we should not pray. The purpose of prayer is not to change God's mind. A lot of times Christians don't know this. They think, as long as I pray, if I keep praying and praying and praying, God will change course. God does not change his mind. He is not human. We, as humans, we change our minds, right? We change our wardrobe two or three times before we exit the door. Some of you did that this morning. We are so prone to changing our minds that we go to a restaurant, we don't know what to order. I don't know, it all looks so good. And so you think you have something in your mind that you're going to order, but then the person before you order something, you go, oh, that sounds good. And so we just keep changing our minds. God doesn't change His mind. When we pray, we are not praying so that God will change his mind. Thirdly, the purpose of prayer is not to preach to others. And let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes our prayers are nothing more than excuses to preach to other people or to preach against other people. Lord, I pray that so-and-so starts to act responsibly. Lord, I pray that so-and-so stops being lazy. Lord, I pray that so-and-so stops irritating me. And whether we admit it or not, sometimes in a group setting, we're often praying and preaching to people and preaching against people. i got to tell you, I've been in a number of group settings where I'm like, wow, I can't believe what I just heard. That prayer was not a prayer. It was a condemnation of somebody. God can be honored in our prayers when we glorify him and when we respect others. So please, whenever we pray for someone, we want to respect that person when we pray for that person, not to preach to that person. Now, at times, our prayers can convict others. And I know that I've heard prayers from other people and I go, wow, I feel so convicted. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But remember, we are speaking to God. We are not speaking to one another in our prayers and preaching against one another. Prayer is not to be used as a platform to preach. Now it's possible right now that some of you might thinking, okay, you're thinking, then Tim, do my prayers even matter? If, if I'm not supposed to ask for things that I want, and then if I'm not trying to change God's mind, do they even matter? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. Both the Old and New Testaments, they command us to pray, and I'm pretty confident that the Word of God commands us to pray, not simply because God thinks it's psychologically healthy for us. Now, in our lifetime, we'll never fully understand uh, this relationship between God's sovereignty and our prayer life. We'll never fully understand that relationship. But I like the way one author puts it. He says this, God gives his children the impulse and ability to pray in order that he may respond to their petitions and carry out his will. So he gives us the impulse and the ability. Here's another way that we can look at it. I like this illustration given by a man named T.C. Hammond. And he he uses a couple different illustrations and compares them. He says, oftentimes people liken uh, the relationship between God's sovereignty and our prayer by looking at God as a a mother cat who grabs her baby kitten by the back of the neck with her mouth. Have you ever seen a picture of that, right? A mommy cat will grab her kitten in her mouth by the back of the neck and just take that kitten wherever. And so T.C. Hammond says that oftentimes people, they view God that way. And they view, or we view us as a little kitten just being dragged around, passive. Nothing to do on our own. We just go and go, being dragged around. T.C. Hammond finds a better illustration of this relationship between God's sovereignty and our prayer life by looking not at a mama cat and a baby kitten, but rather a family. Of monkeys. So a mama monkey swings from branch to branch. And what do you see? You see her baby monkey clinging onto her around her neck, going with her wherever she goes. She's doing all the work, but the baby clings on because the baby wants to go. Where the parent is going. That's our relationship with God when it comes to His sovereignty and our prayer life. We want what God wants, and we seek to pray according to His will. Now, there are many great definitions when it comes to the word pray or prayer. Many great definitions— but I want to give you a very simple phrase that you can memorize. The purpose of prayer is simply this. It is to align with God's will. That is the purpose. There are many great definitions, but it all boils down to this. The purpose of prayer is to align with God's will will. We go to him because we want what he wants, and we go where he goes, and we seek to pray according to his will. So that's the purpose of prayer. And what is it? To what? Align with God's will. Next, we move to the pattern of prayer. So we go from the, pra- the purpose of prayer to now the pattern. Of prayer, And to understand the pattern of prayer, look no further than to the prayer life of Jesus himself. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We'll look at verses 9 through 13. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. And you can follow along up here on the screen as well. As I read this passage, I think it'll start to make sense to you. It'll be very familiar to some of you. Matthew 6. Verse 9 says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now we know this as what? The Lord's Prayer. Many of you have committed this to memory. At the heart of this prayer is the emphasis on God's will. Your will be done. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, shortly before he was to be arrested and then crucified, he prayed a prayer. And the prayer went something like this. Father, if it be possible. Let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, as you will. Now, Jesus agonized when he prayed that prayer because, humanly speaking, he did not want to go to the cross. And how could you blame him? In his humanity, he did not want to go to the cross. And so he prayed to God, if it be possible, if. But God, it is not my will. It is your will. So let's think about this now. If Jesus, the Son of God, if Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, if Jesus, God Himself in the flesh, if He prayed, then how much more do we need to pray? And not only did He pray, Jesus devoted so much of His daily life to prayer. I don't know if you ever think about Jesus' daily life, but He devoted so many hours of His daily life to spending time with his Father. I want to give you just a small sampling that shows you the pattern of Jesus' prayer life. Just follow along here. In Mark chapter 1, in verse 35, it says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. In Luke 5, Verses 15 and 16, it says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In the middle of his ministry, he would just go off and just pray. In Luke 6, verse 12, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night... He continued in prayer to God. And when it says all night, I think it means all night. I don't think Jesus packed up his tent and his mattress and his sleeping bag and all his snacks for his late night snacks. I don't think he piled them all into a car, drove off to a mountain, pitched his tent, laid down his air mattress, got all comfortable, and then sat for half an hour and prayed and then called it a night when it says that Jesus prayed all night it means that he did not sleep a wink so let's think about that now why would he stay up all night Well, because the next morning he had the most important decision he would make choosing of the twelve who would represent him we've all had big decisions to make in our lives and my guess is this that I imagine most, if not all of us, as I look out here, there's a, a major decision that you are facing right now. A decision that will alter the course of your future. A major decision. So if Jesus went off to pray, if he left the crowds, if he spent all night praying, certainly we would do well to follow his pattern, wouldn't we? And before we say, oh, Tim, come on, he's Jesus. It was easy for him. He's perfect. Before we think that, Okay, let, let me remind all of us. When Jesus left heaven to come to earth, do you know what he did? He relinquished his privileges. Now, he remained 100% God, but he was the God-man. And what that means is, when he walked the earth in his humanity, he hungered, he thirsted, he got tired, and he understood that in order to stay in tune with the will of his father, he had to spend time with his father. Why else? Why else would he go off by himself? Why else would he spend the entire night praying? If he is God and he was God, if he knows all things and he knew all things, then why would he spend the entire night praying? Just because he couldn't fall asleep? No, because he knew that he had to rely on his Father. And so if Jesus spent all that time praying, certainly we would do well to follow in his footsteps. I want to make this as practical as possible for us. I understand that most of us can't drive for hours every day to find a quiet place. I understand that most of us can't stay up all night It's possible that the vast majority of us have never stayed up all night to pray all night. The vast majority. Maybe all of us, I don't know. But there's some practical things that we can do this week, tonight, starting tomorrow morning, immediately, that I believe if we put into practice that, that we will see improvement in our prayer life. And so that brings us now to the practice of Prayer. We've looked at the purpose of prayer, which is what? To align with God's will. We've looked at the pattern of prayer, just look no further than the prayer life of Jesus. And then now the practice of prayer. We know that prayer is important. I don't need to tell you that. But guess what? So does our enemy. Satan knows how important prayer is, which is why he will do everything in his power to keep us from praying. And for us today, here in the 21st century, right here in our church, in this culture, in this society, in our world, I think the best way that Satan keeps us from praying is to keep us busy. If you're like me, from the time I get up to the time I go to sleep, it is just go, go, go. It's one busy activity after another. And I think Satan does a great job of using our busy schedules to squeeze out our time with God. And here's what often happens. The intangible things are the things that get squeezed out first in our lives. I'll explain it this way. There are some some tangible things that we take part in every day, that people see. So at work, if you have a project that's due, it's a tangible thing. And people can tell if you did it or not by whether the project was there or not. So we do those things. At school, if you have an assignment that's due, that's a tangible assignment. Your professor or your teacher will know if you did it or not, or if your dog ate it or not, (laughs) if you have it there or not. Even in ministry, there are tangible things that people can see and look at and say, oh yeah, he did it, she did it. If you have a lesson to do for maybe a small group at church, a Bible study to prepare, a sermon to prepare, people can look at that, they can see it, they can read it, and they can then say, well yeah, I could see that person did that assignment, did that lesson, prepared for that sermon. But then there are those intangible things like our prayer lives. When's the last time somebody came up to you and said, did you pray 30 minutes a day this past week? So when it comes to our prayer lives, it's a little bit more intangible, meaning that you know people don't often just come up to you and say, okay, how many minutes did you pray for that person and for that person? And so what happens is those intangible things are the things that get squeezed out of our lives first. Because we can do all those other things. Study, get a homework assignment done, do a project. And we can do all those things without praying and people may not necessarily know that. At least initially though. You see, because what, here's what happens. When our prayer life suffers, our alignment gets thrown off. and We will gradually get further and further away from God's will. And it will eventually become evident. Maybe not initially, but eventually it will show. The bottom line is this. The less time we spend in prayer with God, the harder it is to align with His will. The less time we spend with God, in prayer. The harder it is to align with his will. Next week, our junior high director, Tim Callahan, is going to encourage us in our daily devotion when it comes to Bible intake. I'm looking forward to hearing from my friend Tim Callahan next week. Our daily time with God is critical. Bible reading has been likened to spiritual food for the soul. If Bible intake is spiritual food for the soul, then prayer is spiritual oxygen for the soul. Without either, we will dry up spiritually. A life of disciplined prayer, it is not easy. That's why it's called a discipline. It takes work. So I want to give you 3 practical things that you can do to improve your prayer life this week. Maybe some of you are already doing these things. Wonderful. But maybe for some here, it's been a long time. I believe that if you apply these three things things this week, you will see improvement in your prayer life. The first practical thing you can do is this. Set aside a time to pray. Set aside a time, a consistent time, every day to meet with God. You know, some people say, well, Tim, you know, I'm so busy, I can't find time to pray. I get that, right? You know, some of you parents, young parents especially, I remember this, your kids follow you everywhere. They follow you into the bathroom. (laughs) They're like little puppy dogs just following you everywhere you go. I get that. It's hard to find time to pray. That's why we need to Make time to pray. Don't wake up and say, Oh, I'll pray whenever I have a few moments to pray. It's not going to happen. We make time to pray. And let's face it, let's all be honest right now. Uh, when we really want something, when we really like something, right? When we have a hobby, the reality is we make time for that, don't we? We make time for those things that are important in our lives. So make time. Set aside time to pray. Now, I know that our schedules are not all the same. Some of you are early risers. You love to wake up before it gets bright outside. Some are night owls. Your day starts at like 2 (laughs) p.m. We don't all have the same internal clocks. It'll be helpful to know when you are alert and when you can have the best time with God and set aside that time and make it consistent every day. I think that's very helpful. Every day at that time. And put it, if you have to, in your electronic calendars, right? Pray, Monday. And then go to your settings and go, repeat, okay, yes. And then uh, end date, never. (laughs) And just Remind yourself every single day. Some weeks ago, I talked about our Rooted prayer experience. And again, tonight, we launch our latest edition of our discipleship experience. For those who have gone through Rooted, you know this. You went through this. The prayer experience. So our particular life group got together in this room right here, we got our final instructions, and then we dispersed. We broke from our huddles. And we all found our own private spot here on campus. And for a solid hour, we just prayed on our own to God. And can I tell you, you can get a lot of prayer done in one hour. A lot of prayer done. And so I know that most of us may not be able to devote an entire hour, every single day to prayer. If you can, God bless you. That's wonderful. But maybe if you've not been praying at all, how about this week? Commit to 10 minutes a day, 15, 20. And then also on top of that, this, this is really helpful that I think that maybe as I shared this, maybe this ought to encourage any of us, convict me, convict you, maybe even annually carve out an overnight just for yourself. And you just go and pray. Honey, you got the kids this weekend, all right? I'm out of here for one night to do nothing but devote that weekend to God. Maybe implement that. Set aside a daily time and maybe an annual time, maybe a quarterly time. Set aside a time to pray. Secondly, here's another practical way that we can improve our prayer life. Set aside a place to pray. I find it helpful when there's a consistent place that you go to. Maybe it's a certain room in your house, maybe it's your backyard, a certain chair, a certain park, a certain space, maybe in your office somewhere. But when you have a consistent time, you know that it's always there waiting for you. And what happens is this, if you have a consistent place, maybe a chair or a bench in your backyard, if you look at it and you forgot to go there or you haven't sat there in a long time, you start to feel a little bit guilty. If you do, that's the Spirit of God convicting you. Having a set time and then a set place is very helpful. You know why? If we look to Jesus, Jesus had a place. That place was Gethsemane. Did you know that when Judas was going to betray Jesus and then have him arrested? Judas knew where Jesus was going to be because that is where Jesus always went to be with the Father. The Garden of Gethsemane is a place that Jesus went to to meet his Father. Couples have your favorite spots, right? Those memorable spots. You, maybe you drive somewhere and go, oh, honey, remember that? That's our spot. Or oh, that restaurant, that's where we had our first date, right? They hold special memories. If you've ever driven through your childhood neighborhood, oh, you can recall all the wonderful memories because we often associate places with memories. When Andrew was like two years old and Amanda was an infant, we lived in Tustin Ranch. We had an apartment there and we had this two-bedroom apartment, and in one of the bedrooms, every morning, Joanne and I had this pattern. Uh, like I would go into that second bedroom, and then I'd pray, and I'd come out, and then Joanne would go in, and she'd pray. So we do our daily devotions in that room, one after the other, and while one of us was inside, the other was taking care of the kids, two-year-old Andrew and infant Amanda. And so every morning, because Andrew at that time saw us Uh, every time I'd go into that room he'd turn to Joanne and say oh daddy pray daddy pray and then I'd come out and mom goes in oh mommy pray so he associated that room that place as a place of prayer so when we find a set place to pray It becomes routine in the best way possible. In the best way possible. That's private time. That's sacred time. That's time for me and God. Set aside a place to pray. And then finally, set aside a plan to pray. Some of you have prayer journals And that is a wonderful thing. I think a prayer journal is a wonderful thing to have because what happens is this. You get to write down a prayer, maybe a request, and then you can also then write down the date that it was answered. And then you look back year after year after year. Set aside a plan to pray. Now, I know that most of us, we have people that we pray for that we just know by heart. And we have things that we pray for, just automatically. But if you don't have a plan, what happens is you forget some of those other requests that come your way. Has this ever happened to you? Someone says, hey, can you pray for me? And you say, yeah, sure, I will. And the next week that person comes to you, oh, thank you so much for praying for me. God answered that prayer. And you, in your mind, you're thinking, oh no, I forgot to pray for that person. And you're like, hey, don't mention it. It was nothing. (laughs) Yeah, really, it was nothing. (laughs) But these days, I find that it's helpful. If someone asks you to pray, write it down, log it. And then what's really encouraging is the next week, you go back to that person. I've been praying for you. How has God been working in that area? And by the way, part of having a plan is knowing that when we pray, just don't dive into the uh, petitioning. Don't just go, God, give me this, 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 this. Amen. Over the years, we've come across probably different acrostics, helpful uh, visual aids to help us in our prayer life. Uh, this one I find very helpful. Pray. Praise, repent, ask, yield. I find this to be very helpful because it helps me to slow down when I pray. It's often tempting to just dive into the A, which is the ask. But how about we slow down and we start with praise? God, you are almighty. You are awesome. You are glorious. You are worthy of our worship. How about spend an equal number of minutes doing that part? as the A part. And then the R, repent. We don't want anything to block our communication with God. And then, yes, you can ask. Ask all those requests for your loved ones, your friends, for yourself. And then, here is probably the most forgotten element of prayer. It's the yield. I know for me, my pattern is this. I pray for all the things, and then I say, In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. And then I go on to whatever else I have to do. But what if, what if this week, try this, what if this week, in your prayer time, let's say if you spend 15 minutes of praying, let's just say, what if you doubled that time, and that next 15 minutes is just yield and just stay silent? and listen for God's voice. And no, you're not listening for an audible voice, but you're listening for confirmation. You're listening for peace. You're listening for His will. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. I believe this week as we incorporate these practices you will experience the power of prayer in your life and prayer is powerful i know that every one of you could share with me the power of prayer by sharing with me how god has answered a prayer in your life i knew i know that if i surveyed every single one of you you would be able to tell me oh god answered this prayer prayer was so powerful he answered this prayer in this area of my life i know every one of you could In two weeks, we're going to wrap up our series with the seventh and final rhythm of this series, the rhythm of sharing your story. And in two weeks from today, you're going to hear from my wife, from Joanne. She's going to come up here and share her story with you. And it is an incredible story of the power of God in the life of his children. And so I'm looking forward to two weeks from today and it's going to be a wonderful way to wrap up our series. But I'm going to leave you with this. What parent doesn't like to hear from his or her child? Think about that. Parents, When your phone rings and it says, son or daughter, there's no better feeling than that. And it's great when they call you for no reason whatsoever, but just to call. What parent doesn't like to hear from a child? God likes to hear from his children. And so, as you go forward this week, as you have one major decision after another, as you pray, maybe for some of you, you're praying for someone right now. Maybe for some of you, you are praying about a decision that could alter the course of your future. Some of you, you're praying for an upcoming surgery. Some of you are praying About a difficult conversation you have to have with somebody else. Some of you are praying about how to care for a loved one who can no longer care for himself or herself. Some of you are praying for the salvation of a child, a sibling, a parent. I want to leave you with one passage that I hope will encourage you, and that's Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says this, and this is my encouragement to you all. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you bow with me? Oh, Lord, we come to you in prayer. Uh, So grateful for who you are. Thank you, God, for the reminder that you want to hear from your children It delights you to hear from us. Maybe for some of us, maybe many of us, it's been a while since we've picked up the phone to talk to you. So Lord, help us not to wait any longer. Help us to get on that phone, call you, and talk to you, and to hear how you're doing and to hear what you desire. Help us to do that this week. I pray that for myself, for my friends here. We thank you for this reminder through your word. We give you all glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.